This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Chui Lin and Shaimala Ganesan. Tonight, the biggest headline of the day Muda has left the building of the Madani government. So first, you'll be hearing directly from Said Sadiq about this big decision. And then Ben Sufyan will be joining us to discuss the fallout. So tell us, what do you make of this decision? Can Muda go it alone? That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. Is 6.08. So, um, I mean, we've already kind of said it because essentially over the weekend, actually, in a video published yesterday, Moa MP Syed Sadiq Syed Abdul Rahman, who is the president of MUDA, uh, officially announced their exit from the Madani government, triggered by, well, one particular thing, but I think with a lot of other tensions percolating under the surface for quite some time now, not even under the surface, just percolating, um, but it was triggered by the decision to drop the 47 corruption charges against Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Ahmad Zaid Hamidi last week because they had, uh, Muda, I mean, had officially sent a letter to the Speaker of the House um, informing Parliament that Said Sadiq will now be joining the opposition bench, so it is all official. Yeah, so this isn't coming out of nowhere. On the 5th of September, Said Sadiq had already indicated that Muda might exit if there wasn't a clear explanation given for Zahid's, uh, dis- uh, Zahid's acquittal. Um, discharge not Zahid- amounting to an acquittal. Discharge not amounting to an acquittal. My goodness, the DNAA is such a mouthful. Um, so... For what it's worth, um, there has also been a video that um, Sadiq put out um, and we will be hearing from him very shortly. But essentially in the video, he talked about how um, he doesn't want to condone the normalising of corruption and that um, now Muda will function as a separate third force within the opposition bloc of parliament um, and that they will become a, uh, a way to ensure check and balance within the government as well. So Muda has, though, affirmed that they will still support the government's uh, reform agenda when it comes to progressive policies that are progressive bills in particular that require a two-thirds majority to push through in parliament. There have been a lot of responses to this as you would expect. Um, Anthony Locke, who is the Minister of Transport but also DAP Secretary General, uh, responded by reminding Sadiq that while he didn't, in his view, uh, in Anthony Locke's view, become MOA MP on his own merit, that it was backed by Pakatan's support back in the day and that he was therefore obligated to ensure that the votes garnered and the seat won were reflective of the the support of the people for the unity government. Uh, Meanwhile, Arasen Raya, who is a Jalutong MP, also from DAP, said that the loss of this two-thirds majority for the government because of this exit would hurt efforts to carry out legal and political reforms that require constitutional amendments, even though, um, as we've said, Said Sadiq has already kind of mentioned that the that progressive reforms will continue to have Muda support. 
yeah, in, in many ways, basically functioning as that third force that has more independence to act as, uh, you know, based on their own principles, right? Um, now, there has been, um, despite the criticism, also people who have expressed their praise for this move. Um, on the one hand, uh, supporters on social media uh, saying, you know, good on you for standing up for your principles. Uh, but Pasir Gudang MP, Hassan Abdul Karim from PKR, in fact, um, said that the exit cemented Muda's integrity. Meanwhile, PSM also shared their support for Muda after Anthony Lok's comments on Muda's departure. So, all of which to say, um, a loss of the two-thirds majority, Muda saying that they're going to become a third force within the opposition. Lots to talk about, and that's what we're going to try to do for the next hour and a bit. Let us know what you make of the decision for Muda to withdraw its support from the unity government. Do you think Muda can go it alone? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. And tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be hearing directly from Said Sadiq, the president of Muda. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bring forth Mula, BFM 89.9. It is exactly 6.14 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We are talking today about the decision from Muda, um, specifically its MP, Moa MP, Syed Sadiq, uh, to say that they will be exiting the Madani government, um, that they will be joining or rather forming a third force within the opposition. And we are asking you, uh, what do you make of this decision? Do you think Muda can go it alone? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. If you have a question for Sadiq, Sadik, actually you can send it our way as well because he is now joining us on the line. Uh, Sadik, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you very much. So the decision has been cooking for a while now. Um, Muda had already publicly talked about considerations to leave the government if the AGC offered no explanation of the withdrawal of those 47 corruption charges against the Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, But ultimately, maybe talk us through it. What led to this? Um, How was the decision finally made? Uh, To be honest, the dropping of the 47 criminal corruption charges um, was the biggest red line because we believe that this is the beginning, not the end, the beginning of the normalisation of corruption is... The government of the day could think that it is good to drop 47 corruption criminal charges. Um, Now, today, it shows that in the future, there will be more to come. Um, And above and beyond that, it's a scheme of things. Um, Since before elections, the Prime Minister has stated that he couldn't become the Prime Minister then in terms of the collection of SDs because the court cluster demanded for criminal charges to be dropped. And then he he did not want to give in. So what's the difference with the statement he made before and today? Because today, when he's prime minister, the deputy prime minister is corrupt. Above and beyond that, I mean, sorry, uh, has 47 allegations of uh, corruption. And then immediately after getting to power, postponed his case many times, uh, demanding for the case to be dropped many times, having the DPP or the public prosecutor changed at the very final minute and now after having the 47 corruption charges uh, dropped. I think this is a series of events which clearly signals, especially when the new Attorney General and the Attorney General Chambers answers directly to the Prime Minister, because it is under the Prime Minister's office. It shows that there is a link of political interference, especially when the Prime Minister himself admitted that the former AG met up with him many times to discuss about the timeline 
for the dropping of the charges. I think this shows that this is a political de- uh, this is a political de- uh, decision and unprincipled one. And for Muda, especially as we campaign hard against corruption on institutional reforms, this is the biggest red line. And if we start normalising corruption today, I firmly believe that there will be more to come, and we need to fight it uh, tooth and nail. So. This decision, though, does leave the government one seat short of the two-thirds majority, and that will kick in uh, with several uh, things that are up for debate uh, that are part of the reform agenda. This includes the citizenship rights for women married to non-Malaysians abroad, also the separation of the Attorney General and Solicitor General offices, just among other things. So what sort of considerations were made on Muda's part when it comes to this aspect? I think the party has made a decision that while we pull out from government, we've given a firm commitment that when it comes to ideas and policies of reforms, we will support it. Similarly, how I worked hard uh, in 2018 and 2019 to secure more than two-thirds majority for the amendment of three, uh, for, for three constitutional amendments, despite the government not having two-thirds majority then. So for all the reforms you just outlined, whether it's on the separation of uh, AG and prosecutor, uh, citizenship reforms, uh, limiting the terms of the prime ministership, and many others, we will support it. And I'll give my full commitment because Muda will be the party of reforms. Now, a number of people, uh, including DAP Secretary Anthony Lok, have urged you to vacate uh, your parliamentary seat, saying that you want it on an understanding with Harapan and with support from the coalition. What's your response? I mean, let's, let's just put it this way. Why did voters vote us in uh, to begin with? Voters voted us in because we ran on an anti-corruption platform. We fought against Amno Den, who clearly campaigned, saying that if they win, they will change the DPP, they will change the AG, drop criminal charges upon their leaders. We won on a campaign, on, on, on a platform of reforms. Today, I've remained consistent on that platform. It is those who are accusing me today are the ones who have changed completely. I mean, can you imagine me campaigning in MOA in last election saying that, hey, if I win, I'll drop the 47 corruption charges, I'll change the DPP, I'll change the AG, I'll abandon the platform of reforms and expecting to be voted in. Clearly not. So really, they should ask themselves who have been consistent and who abandoned their principles for convenience and power. If anything, I remain consistent on the platform before elections to after elections. And Muda will remain consistent in fighting for reforms to turbocharge Malaysia to become a developed country. So you've said, of course, that Muda is going to be forming that third force in the opposition bloc as the voice of the Rakyat, that you aim to provide check and balance. Could you tell us what this would involve? I mean, really, the reason being is I think today the debate in opposition should be a lot more robust, especially in holding the government to account. We should be talking about policy reforms, institutional reforms, macro and microeconomics debates. We must be, for example, today, as the government presented the RMK12 plan, just before you call, I'm reading page by page to ensure that I can engage in the debate constructively without necessarily always talking about race, religion and the politics of division. I want to ensure that I can hold this government to account because my biggest fear and worry is this. I think the government of the day, clearly after they decided to drop the 47 criminal charges, are moving more and more to the right. And the government today is being... It's like they are being amnified, you know, it's not the other way around. Uh, they are really, I mean, bending down backwards to follow to the whims and fancies of AMNO, especially in the anti-reform agenda. So if anything, I think having Muda in the opposition can hold them to account 
on this front, if they take multiracial, multireligious Malaysia lightly, we are here. If they don't talk about policies, we are here. When they talk about policies, we are here to scrutinize in detail what those policies are about. Because I believe in healthy competition, and I believe the way in which you want to turbocharge Malaysia to become a developed country is to push on reforms, to rely on institutions and not personalities, and really talk about good policies instead of talking about divisions and, and, uh, and, and, and the politics of race and religion. Sadiq, we have a question from a listener, Ravin, who wants to know, did you speak to the PM in the last few days on this issue? Uh, if not, why not? I've reached out to the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister's office many times, formally and informally, through many letters. But um, I understand if the uh, Prime Minister uh, is busy, and to be honest, um, I think we've attempted many times, including formally through the Presidential Council of Pakistan Harapan, as everyone knew um, uh, it's been postponed and postponed after months. But to be honest, that, that decision is up to them. But for Muda, I think either way, when red lines are broken one after the other, I think enough is uh, enough. Because if we don't send a message now, not only do we have no decision-making process in all the problems and good things which happen, but at the same time, we will be a complicit one way or another in every single decision made. So I think it's better for us to play a check and balance role especially defending multiracial, multireligious Malaysians, scrutinizing policies and proposing solutions to our economic woes. We also have messages uh, from a variety of people, including Madi and Murali, who are saying that they they think it might be a tough ask um, for Muda in terms of survivability, um, in terms of its future. How would you respond? I think that's, that's a fair criticism. We know that this, this division will be tough. The road ahead will be long and to be honest, very lonely. However, I believe being a young party or party led by a lot of young leaders, we need to defend this principle front. If at the very beginning we've already abandoned our core principles, I think that reflects badly on us, that reflects badly on the new politics which we want to bring forward. I remember facing the same dilemma in 2020. Then when I decided to fight against my ex-mentors, when I decided to reject the ministerial offer uh, chairmanships of GLCs, subsequently being expelled from the party which I co-founded before, and then having threats levied against me and my family. But I stood by that principled ground, and I defended it. So to me, what I'm doing is almost the same. Then I fought against this unprincipled move then when they wanted to work the corrupt. Today, how could I suddenly change, have, have a change in heart when it is done today and worse today the cases are dropped. I mean, no matter what people say previously, the cases were not dropped. This 47 corruption charges drop at the very final moment before the decision is made. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I have a case in court, but I will allow the court to determine my fate. I don't use political interference. I don't use this kind of political threatening to drop cases. It is wrong. I mean, can you imagine how that reflects into the state of law in Malaysia, where a poor person can be jailed for years for stealing, a can of Milo, and the political elites can get away for stealing hundreds of millions. That is unjust and unfair. If I took the principal front before, I sacrificed my ministerial post, GLC post, fought the battle when threatened. Today, there is no difference. I will fight all the way, no matter what personal risk and consequences come to me and towards Muda, because, this, because fighting for Malaysia is worth it. 
So we actually have so many uh, messages coming in. Uh, these are from Winston and Ray, who are both making similar points. Uh, so Winston is saying, um, it's known that we need uh, the DPM. If you're looking at the bigger picture, the DNAA is just a temporary is temporary for the government to be stable. Ray, meanwhile, is saying, uh, this might be a necessary evil. We can't forever be having a government change. Perfection isn't attainable here. We just accept and adjust. Uh, is this a question of just political pragmatism? I understand political pragmatism. And to be honest, I do not think that if we were to allow the rule of law to continue, suddenly AMNO will pull out. Because where would they go? I mean, they've tried working with Prakata National before. And to Prakata National's credit, they didn't drop the criminal charges involving uh, Datuk Sri Zaid Hamidi and including Datuk Sri Najib Razak. They allowed the court process to take its place. So, I mean, where would they go? And in the end, there are many also decent people in AMNO who we could work with. The question is not about working with AMNO. The question is about breaking the clearest red line, which is political interference, using power to drop criminal charges, and the most basic platform which we ran on prior to election, which is to fight corruption. I mean, if you do this, this will set a ridiculously dangerous precedent for future prime ministers future prime ministers that, I mean, for, for, for political pragmatism, it is okay, we'll drop charges, we'll allow for this to happen. I mean, what, what more after this, right? There are many other those who are facing court cases, we're, good, we're just going to drop all, all charges. I mean, what does that send? I mean, that sends a horrible message when it comes to fighting corruption in Malaysia. It's okay. I mean, corruption is okay as long as you hold power, as long as you have a bargaining chip. Under that logic, Malaysia will forever be locked in the cultures of corruption of the past. So to me, there must be a red line. I do not think and I firmly believe that the government will not fall just because you allow the rule of law to take place. And there's no excuse anymore. I mean, you have an absolute two-thirds majority. I mean, even if, let's say, the DPM has 10 MPs with him, there are many others who will disagree with corruption charges to be dropped. So, to me, this is no excuse. And let's hold the Prime Minister's word. I mean, prior to him winning GE, he said he will not bow down to the corrupt. That's why uh, he didn't want to take the FDs uh, from the corrupt. But today, why is there a difference in attitude? I mean, if the former two prime ministers could do it, why can't he? What more someone who stood on the platform of reforms for more than two decades? You know, I have great hope that he will continue to reform Malaysia. So obviously, I mean, when this happens, well, the two previous prime ministers did not drop charges. I mean... I think we know what is going on. I think to just hide behind the veil of political pragmatism, to me, is really unfair and ridicule the minds of Malaysians. I mean, Malaysians know what's going on. Sadiq, thanks for taking the time and speaking with us today. Thank you very much. You just heard there from Syed Sadiq, President of Muda, talking about the party's decision to uh, leave the government bloc. We'll be continuing our conversation after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Big front man, BFM 89.9. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And just a, a quick recap of what we're talking about today. So Syed Sadiq, who is both Muda President and MUA MP, officially announced that Muda would be exiting from the Unity Government, the Madani Government, in a video that was published yesterday, which essentially means that they will now be playing what they are saying is a third bloc, um, a third force within the opposition bloc 
bloc, but also that the government no longer has a uh, direct straight two-thirds majority in the House. So we're asking you, uh, what do you make of this decision? Um, can Muda go it alone? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So if earlier on we heard from Syed Sadiq himself, we are now joined by Ben Sufian, who is the Programme Director of Medeka Centre, to talk about the uh, larger ramifications of this. Ben, as always, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. So uh, firstly, what did you make of Muda's move to exit the government? I think Muda's move, you know, is uh, somewhat anticipated in because... Uh, Muda and Said Sadiq, as well as several other leaders of the party, have, you know, frequently articulated uh, the need to adhere to strong rule of law, and also uh, there's no compromise with uh, the court cluster set of individuals that have made their way into government and into high positions in the cabinet. And so I think you know Said Sadiq is uh, walking on the top to be consistent with what he has been talking about earlier and therefore has decided to distance his party from uh, Pakatan Harapan and also the Barisan National Coalition. And I think it is in part uh, uh, a saving, a move to also save uh, Muda's uh, you know, base of support, which largely comes from the more progressive segment of Malaysian society. Now... How will the loss of the two-thirds majority impact the unity government? What potential scenarios do you see moving forward? Well, I think, you know, it's a number of things. Right off the bat, uh, it does make it harder for the current unity government to change the constitution. But I think if you look at the reality of the composition and also how the government came together, even though they had 148 seats, uh, it's not very easy for them to persuade all of the coalition partners to agree on measures to amend the constitution. The reason is because it is not a pre-election coalition, but it's a post-election coalition. And therefore, it is some sort of an arrangement for convenience. Uh, but having said that, uh, not having the two-thirds majority could actually strengthen democracy in the country because it means that for folks in the government, they have to... Uh, gain consensus from parties across the aisle in order to support measures uh, that arguably would be for the betterment of the country. I think that's one point. And second, uh, it also means that uh, the current current government itself is not held hostage by several individuals within the coalition um, in order to extract concessions, you know, particularly from the PM. So not having the two-thirds is not really a big issue because I think uh, the opposition has made a lot of uh, noise about how with two-thirds they can change uh, the number of constituencies uh, for elections, uh, but in reality it's not very easy to achieve that. So we've opened up the lines to people uh, to ask how, how everyone's feeling and I will say I think I can characterise the response as mixed. Um, what have you been hearing? How has this been received by supporters both of Muda but also Pakatan Barisan? Um, I think for supporters of Muda, they feel that it's a necessary move in order for them to remain consistent with their principles. Uh, and so for them, they will be able to face their supporters and say that we have uh, tried to do the right thing. And we have also not tried to negotiate for concessions or leniency on the part of uh, Said Sadiq himself. So I think they can they can hold their head high in that sense. 
but for Pakatan Harapan, you know, this uh, when we spoke to some of the people there, uh, it's not a. They don't feel at at least at this point much of a loss. The reason is because I think in the last several months, uh, it has been exceedingly difficult to get a negotiation going between Muda and uh, Pakatan Harapan. Uh, and the break was coming because we know that in the August state elections, Pakatan, Harapan and Muda contested in multi-corner uh, contests in, I think, at least uh, 20 or was it 17 constituencies uh, in the six states. And therefore, we know that uh, a break is coming. It's on the way and now it has happened. Um, so that's it's pretty much it, that it's anticipated. So one persistent criticism that's come up quite a lot from Pakatan supporters is that Said Sadeh and Muda are all talk, no action, and that they are in fact a distraction from the government's efforts to govern. How do you think this latest action will feed into that? Well, I think this latest action, you know, will uh, again, you know, add to that, uh, that now Muda will add to the voice of criticism to the government. Uh, in in a way, you know, they will continue with the role that they have uh, been carrying from uh, since the last uh, general election in November. Uh, so no major changes there. Uh, but I think uh, the difficulty, I think, is for Muda itself in terms of uh, how does it then uh, find a pathway to face the next election? Because ultimately, as a political party, they need to stay relevant and they also need to be able to uh, find a way to maximize their votes. And in the current political context that we have here in Malaysia, it's very difficult for third parties to actually gain a foothold. The reason is because our voters are by and large very traditional. They support large parties and uh, identity politics still loom very large in the backdrop of our political choices. So before we talk about the um, the next election and what might happen there in terms of Muda's viability, I think I'm also curious about what happens, frankly, in the next very many parliament sittings, right? Because they've said viable, they, they, they're talking about being a third force within the opposition bloc. I think some people are mistaking that as them joining the opposition bloc. Um, can you talk to us about what, I guess, what form or, or what kind of conversation we might see Muda bring into the House uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, one way of looking at this thing positively is that Muda has decided not to join uh, Prikatan National. And I think that's a good thing. So Muda remains relevant uh, in the sense that even though they only have one seat in parliament, but given how contested things are in our politics these days, one seat can make a lot of difference. And so I think in situations where it, if it comes in future parliamentary sessions and the government requires a large majority to pass a bill or amend a constitution, then uh, politicians from Muda as well as other parties can be brought in to negotiate. And so a kind of confidence and support agreement. It could be in the offing in the future, uh, some kind of memorandum of understanding in, for uh, gaining support for specific bills or initiatives that can still be done in the future. Um, and so we can rule out uh, the role of Muda, but uh, as things currently are, you know, the current coalition has a lot of seats. Uh, they don't need, you know, one extra vote for the time being unless they are pushed hard to try and uh, amend the constitution. So uh, it's, I think the challenge is on Muda to stay relevant uh, with one voice in uh, parliament and, and use the time that they have to garner more support outside of parliament and so represent the people who are not being heard uh, outside the halls of parliament. 
So we spoke to uh, Said Sadiq earlier, um, you actually alluded to this earlier as well, that they have a rough road ahead, which, um, I mean, essentially, I guess the question there is, do you think that they will make it? What will it take for them to get there? Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, in a way, the sad thing about our political system. And I know of other observers and other academicians that are proposing that in the long run, we should uh, entertain the idea of amending our electoral system so that it's more representative, it's proportional, so that we have uh, smaller voices can be included uh, into the parliament. And I think Muda, in many ways, represent, you know, a, a segment of that, you know, younger people. Uh, and so I think the challenge uh, moving forward for Muda is, you know, how, how does it stay relevant in the current landscape? Uh, and um, what does, you know, how can they broaden their support? Because I think as things currently stand, uh, Muda's position somewhat overlaps with that of Pakatan Harapan, because I think for to a large extent, they aspire to the same set of values. Uh, and And this is set against the backdrop right now, where identity politics is very, very important. And we have very conservative voters, you know, Malay voters, you know, in the recent state elections, as well as last weekend's by-election, nearly 60 over percent Malay voters voted for Prikata National. And there's, a, I think, a fundamental reason for that. And so uh, for MUDA, um, it's going to be challenging for them to find a way to uh, continue to engage the public and also change them to be focused on substantive issues that are more progressive, you know, things like, you know, LGBT rights and, and freedom of expression, uh, as well as equality uh, as a citizen. I'm curious about um, how you're thinking about parliamentarians working relationships, partly because we've seen the exchanges between uh, DAP, I think in particular, and Syed Sadiq get quite heated recently. Um, and now they're also going to be charting their own path with you know, sometimes working with the government, sometimes working with the opposition, as is the case with most parliamentarians. But, um, you know, what can you tell us about how you see this going? Well, you know, at the end of the day, parliamentarians are human too. And so even though they have uh, principles of the political party and, their, you know, and their interests, uh, a great extent uh, can be uh, dealt with with personal relationships. So I think in the part of DAP and also MUDA, the history has gone some ways in the past where, uh, DAP actually advocated for Muda to be part of the coalition and they tried to work together leading up to the 2018 elections. Um, and so I think on the part of DAP, there is a realisation that they do have a challenge in trying to gain uh, into the Malay middle ground vote. And there is also a realisation that the Malay youth vote bank is very huge and growing as each year passes. And therefore, many, uh, I think, leaders in DAP see MUDA as a pathway to gain access to that vote bank. Uh, but I think as time has passed, uh, it now I think it appears clear that the Malay youth vote bank isn't as progressive or liberal as one thing. You know, it's quite conservative in the way they, they look at the world uh, and the choices that they have made in recent general elections as well as state elections. So I think, uh, to put it very simply, the utility has faded, you know, with time. And I think for... DAP, they, they now have, you know, another Malay partner, which is Amno, and I think they will cultivate that relationship. So in the past week, um, the question of pragmatism has come up a lot, um, that perhaps this isn't the time to be so, uh, to, to stand on principle quite so much, right? What does this say about our current political um, situation? And 
is it perhaps not the time to to take a principled stand like Muda is? Well, I think you know what Muda has done to take a principled stand on this is commendable. Uh, but it also depends on the perspective that you have, whether you want to stand on principles here and now, and uh, you know not really look into the ramifications it has in terms of the public life and also the trajectory of the country. I think you know from my perspective, and this is just my personal opinion, Malaysia really stands at the juncture of making I think an important choice whether we are going to be able to move ahead and have some kind of a, a prog- progressive. A government that is run on progressive ideals, or a government that continues to be run on, uh, you know, very ethnic interests and very, very inward, insular kind of parochial interests uh, driving the needs. And I think, uh, I think it's quite clear because we are a trading nation and we uh, are a small nation that we need to have a strong sense of national unity. And sometimes to achieve this unity, there is a price to pay that you have to. Uh, be in the same bed with uh, you know unsavory characters, and this is I think the choice that uh, people in Pakatan Harapan has decided to make. Uh, yes, at one part it is they want to gain power, but you know what do you use the power for? I think is important. Um, I think if we look into the future, the challenge uh, I suppose is this: you know, to what extent can Pakatan Harapan hold true to their so-called principles, and that over time you know it doesn't get too compromised, that it becomes cheap such that their own supporters lose faith and trust in them and then begin to experiment with parties like Muda and the like that may appear uh, in the near future. Ben, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Right. That was Ben Sufian, Program Director of Medeka Centre, weighing in on the fallout um, that has resulted from essentially the fallout between political parties because Moa MP Said Sadiq, Muda President, has said that Muda is exiting, has exited in fact, the unity government, which then means that the government no longer has that two-thirds majority that has been much talked about. Um, So we've been asking you, what do you make of the decision? Can Muda do this alone? Uh, That number to call is 7733-2900. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for uh, all your messages. It's a very mixed bag today after this. So do keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Benchmark for managers, BFM 89.9. It is 7.08 and you are listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And our Inside Story today has been, I think, what is probably the biggest political headline that emerged from what was in general, a busy weekend. And that is the fact that Muda have said that they are exiting the government block. In essence, that leaves the government one seat short of their two-thirds majority uh, and also leaves Muda somewhat on its own um, because, to be clear, they are not joining the opposition block. They have said that they are going to play the role of third force within that and checks and balances all around. So we were asking you for your thoughts on this Um what do you make of the decision? Do you think Muda can go it alone? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we have been saying that it's been a real mixed bag. Um, lots of people for, lots of people against. Let's hear from somebody who is for this. This is uh, Dr. Rahim. Kudos to Sadi for speaking up. 
although this is the road least taken but it's definitely the correct one thank you for speaking up on us for us the 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 the, the right yeah thank you thanks dr rahim uh for sending that in and i think that is the that that's the desired reaction right um at least from muda's perspective yeah i mean um and he, you know, Dr. Rahim certainly not alone, right? In in commending them for being principled, or rather, this this notion of taking a stand. Um, just to look at a number of messages that have come in on this, we have, um, let's see, Liz saying spot on with regards to mentioning that voters base vote based on policy and corruption cleaning. We need more politicians like him. Uh, Adrian saying, nothing wrong with what Muda is saying, right? Why should we discourage our youth from, youth from saying the right things? So actually, I wanted, I'm so glad, Adrian, that you brought that up because I, I want to talk about that specific thing, which is nothing intrinsically wrong with what Muda is saying. Because broadly, broadly, I think you ask anybody and the, the agreement or the general sense will be, yeah, of course, I don't stand for corruption or of course, I don't agree with or support corruption or corrupt individuals. In fact, it's such a tremendous pain point in Malaysian politics that, that I think you would be hard-pressed to find one person except those who have directly benefited who would say, yeah, um, you know, yay, corruption. So the issue, I think, is not what they are saying. Um, the issue has more to do with how people perceive their actions and the timing of it. Because I think the criticism, and, and this is coming particularly from pragmatists, um, which we keep hearing from, you know, that, oh, it's, it's just not the right time. There is the sense of, yeah, it's the right thing to do, but it's not the right time to do it. And of course, the argument in return will always be, well, when is the right time? Yes, and it is a tough spot, right? And I'm not saying this as um, a supporter of either argument, but I am saying that we we cannot call for people to stand for, stand up for what they believe in and then also say, yeah, but you know, do it at the right time, not at not any time you want. Um, standing for principles actually should be for all the time. Well, yeah, because if not, then then what's the point, um, yes. really? Aslan says, I was alarmed at first and almost subscribed to the notion that Sadiq is too young and doesn't understand strategy or local political manoeuvring. But after listening and rethinking, I think we need that show of principle and doing something different. Having a third force is good and he has shown efforts and determination and kudos to him and Muda to send the message and it's an impressive voice and stance. Anyway, if we keep having the same, same traditions and behaviours of being a follower, you can't develop leaders. Something has to give um, and and I support Sadiq to do it and to push on, somebody has to remind uh, all the other parties, both the government of the day and the opposition. So if this move is needed to wake Pakatan up from the same same behaviour, then so be it. Corruption is now a culture in Malaysia. There's no excuse, no negotiation, and normalising it is dangerous and you are complicit. So I think I can understand this move and the future belongs to the young ones and we need to support and empower them, even though they will go through failures. Uh, that was from Aslan. Yeah, I mean... Yes, I, I agree, right? Um, I think that there is something to be said for um, walking the talk. And um, I understand that it can seem politically expedient and, and the comments from some others saying, oh, so now you speak up and not before. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it, it feels a little bit... It feels a little bit like we are saying you shouldn't stand up for what you in the first place said was a problem. 
Yeah, uh, and and that really is what it comes down to. Um, similarly, we have, uh, I believe, a caller on the line who wants to talk about this very thing. Um, we've got Frankie. Frankie, good evening. What are your thoughts? Good evening. I wanted to say I salute Saeed for what he says. Actually, there's something that many ordinary Malaysians has been fighting against corruption. And it's corruption that actually destroys our country. Now, I wanted to ask all those people who are in the ruling party right now, who originally fight against corruptions and who actually toppled by some national because of corruptions. And they know well that this is really bad for the country. Now, this is a very real test for them. To answer these questions, do they still hold this core value and this principle which they believe in initially when they fight against corruption, when they fight against Amno, when they fight against violence and etc.? Do you still hold that value? And how many of you stand up and say, no, we disagree? Or do they rather be in the ruling party and have power to rule Malaysia against? And what? Is this what we're fighting for? Are we back to square one? These people must answer to the rakyat. We voted for them. And they have to answer to the rakyat. Do they still hold that core value against corruptions? This is a very important question. They have to answer. Absolutely, Frankie. Thank you so much for calling and for sharing that. I think that um, actually this is something that our uh, guest... Ben Sufian mentioned earlier that in some ways, somebody taking a direct stance, right, saying that I'm taking a direct and clear action really forces others to reconsider um, or have to restate what it is that they stand for. And I think that that is the uncomfortable position that the ruling coalition find themselves in, particularly one half of that, well, more than half of, of that ruling coalition. And um, I, I think also that it's always worth, sorry, this is my agony aunt hat, but it's always worth thinking, right, when somebody does something or says something that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's worth thinking about why that is. I mean, it may be that they're wrong, um, but it may be equally that it is making you think about yourself and your principles in a way that you weren't ready for. Yeah, yeah, because um, when we say compromise is necessary, and I do agree that by and large that is often the case, there is also the question of how far that compromise is acceptable um, and different voters, the line will lie differently, right? Um, actually, TIDJ is saying, I'm guessing those who say right thing, wrong time are those who will argue real politic. But I'm uh, I'm not a fan of Said Sadiq, but what he did was necessary. We cannot think in Machiavellian terms and his move is a reminder of that. I really appreciate the we cannot think in Machiavellian terms because frankly um, and, and I think I, I assume TIDJ that this is partly what you're getting at that's where conspiracy thinking gets us right if you assume the worst of everybody then even principled stands or even things that were meant to be done in line with principles that you are meant to hold uh, can then be perceived in, in all sorts of ways and then things go awry very easily however I think that the focus of all this on one person because again he is Muda's only parliamentarian does leave it open for a variety of um, a variety of what's the word I'm looking for uh, attacks uh, particularly not not attacks criticisms critiques um, part, partly because he has a case himself and uh, I think that that is what Kuma is getting at in this voice note. Hi everyone, uh, these are my thoughts. I think uh, you know the um, guest spoke about. We are in a crossroads and I think that it is true. You know, we are um, 
a nation that is 66 years old and the politics is actually maturing. So in the case of Buddha, you know, in my personal opinion, I thought that uh, they came up with some ideals that sounded very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, like meritocracy and, um, you know, Malaysians first and so on and so forth. And uh, giving young people an opportunity. I, I like it, actually. It's quite uh, nice in the sense of building a new Malaysia and you know it's also part of puzzle of maturing and getting young people to vote and so on and so forth now the question I have for Said Sadiq is this you know what happened to his case I'm, I'm really not sure uh, because I was I was kind of a, a, in a way uh, uh, looking at him in terms of um, uh, as a future of Malaysia, future PM. But then when these cases came up, you know, this corruption stuff and all that, so I really don't know what's the status of that. I hope he can come up and clear, or maybe, you know, clear his name in that sense. And and I perhaps, perhaps Muda might stand a chance. These are my thoughts. Kuma, thank you for that. Um, I think that actually you, you bring up points that, Many do. Uh, and we put them to Sadiq earlier as well. And I think he acknowledged it. Now, the issue, of course, is that court cases are long. Um, and for as long, well, long for some, shorter for others, but um, for as long as they continue <laughs> to linger, right, they are going to, to come up in this exact form. And I don't, I can totally understand where you're coming from because it's a perfectly valid criticism. It is, it is. Uh, but also I would hesitate to compare Positions that are essentially different, um, <clears throat> coalitions that are essentially <clears throat> partnerships that are different, and where people are positioned in terms of uh, who's part of the government, who's speaking up, and so on. Because it's not exactly the same kind of case. We're not talking about someone with the same level of um, power, and so on. So, yeah, I just wanted to make the distinction that um, while it's fair to ask these questions, direct comparisons are perhaps not helpful. Uh, just a couple more before we take a very quick break. Munif says, it's really sad when a party of bright young minds who openly reject corruption, even at the expense of losing out on power, are the ones struggling to stay relevant, apparently. It's a reflection of the common, it's more a reflection of the common voters than Muda itself. Um, Z, meanwhile, says, politicians from both major coalitions have kept uh, not wise for many decades. Since when is supporting corruption pragmatism? That's a new low for us. This is a good move. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you put it like that, Munif and, and Z, I think it's, it is really about what we say when we say we want change. Um, and I think this, this, these recent incidents have really opened up that question in a very particular way. Um, when we say we want change, when you promise change, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? What is the timeline? What do you stand for? These are yes. uh, progressions, right? It starts one place and then it ends with people kind of going, well, what is it? So, yes. Anyways, uh, we're talking today about the decision from Muda to take a step back uh, and essentially exit the unity government, the Madani government. Uh, we're asking you what you make of this decision. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We will be back for more of your thoughts. So do keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Being first matters. BFM. 89.9. It's 7.22 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. So we are talking today aptly about the youth, um, specifically a decision by Muda to 
exit the unity government and that leaves them one seat short of a two-thirds majority, although uh, as our guest Ben Sufian pointed out earlier, that might in fact be a good thing for democracy. So we're asking you for your thoughts. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a uh, voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have, I believe, a voice note from, it's either Teg or TEG. Here we go. I think a lot of people are missing the fact that this is not a PH government, this is a unity government. We didn't give Pakatan Harapan a strong enough mandate to form a government on their own. And I really believe that if today it were a 100% PH government, the outcome of the Zahi case would be very, very different. So I think it's very unfair to to penalise Pakatan Harapan like that and calling them names. TG, thank you for that. Um, I, I think actually this is a, a good point in the sense of um, the unity government concept uh, continues to be a mind bender. I think we knew the morning after GE that it would be, uh, that it was going to be a, a difficult one principally and philosophically to wrap our heads around. Um, but you rightly point out that months on, we are continuing to, I don't know, to, to have it both dominate our conversations, uh, but not infuse it enough either. Because you're right, I think people forget. Yes. Um, I think, though, that that does not mean that we should expect any party that's a part of this to feel like they have to toe the line, even if it goes against what might... Okay, on the one hand, maybe it's a principal stand. On the other hand, whatever is politically expedient for them, i.e. pleasing their voter base. Um, so whichever whichever way you choose to look at it for Muda, right? Either it's a matter of principle or it's a matter of pandering to their base. Actually, that's their right. Um, and that is part of what it means to run as a coalition party or a supporting party. Uh, some technicalities that I think would be good to ex to kind of address now because Bong is saying, well, if he really wants to fight based on principles, he should vacate his seat that he won and stand on election again to see whether that's what his supporters want. Um, and then goes on to make the argument that essentially, if you get your seat with the assistance of the Pakatan machinery, that it's not fair to keep it after leaving. Um, and in response to that, we have Itam who says, Muda was only an election-packed partner of PH, not a component. There is no need for him to resign and recontest, just like there is no need for some PH parliamentarians to resign for having campaigned um, a vote for, that a vote for BN is a vote for Zahid. And Syed Sadiq's pullout, especially pointed out by Dr. Ong Kian Ming, amongst others, is not necessarily a bad thing for PH. By taking away the Madani government's two-thirds majority, the government has to build broad-based consensus. This actually relieves the government from potential blackmail by any single MP for denying that two-thirds. One more advantage, if you're angry with Zahid's DNAA, you now have Muda, besides PN, for you to turn to. It would be much worse for Malaysians if PN monopolises the anti-corruption, pro-rule-of-law principle in politics. Itam, thank you so much for that. Um, this is exactly what I've been trying to verbalise in my head, and you put it perfectly, that actually until now, this has become... This has become a way for PN to say they are the anti-corruption party. We've already heard them do this in the last week. So if nothing else, what this has done is to actually put Muda in the position to be progressive and still advocate for those values. You know, one thing I appreciate also is that um, as an adult, what kind of sentence starts like that, right? But as an adult, um, sometimes 
or often hard truths need to be swallowed. And sometimes um, good things show up in weird packages. And, and by that, I mean that for the longest time, I think the two-thirds majority just sounds great. And it's a nice thing to be able to fall back on. Um, but there is also, as everyone's right, not everyone, but as many experts are rightly pointing out, um, that can be a double-edged sword. And the removal of that uh, can also be a boon, right, if it's seen in the right way. And I mean, we're really only talking about this in this um, to this extent because essentially Said Sadiq was the last MP to remove the... So if there had been three others who still formed the majority, would we be talking about it like this? And so I do think that there is something to be said for... Um, are, we in, are we saying that he should have prioritised the two-third majority over what his party has thus far championed. So, uh, you know what? I think we've got time to talk about other politicians because there are a few messages about that. Um, Anon says, tell Anthony Loke to not be MCA 2.0. Khalil says, responding to Anthony Loke during election, Pakatan with principles, bash BN, now they're together. Consensus during election changed, but good for Muda, who are keeping their principles intact. Uh, Mizi is saying... I can understand what and why all the political parties do what they do, but I really wish that Anthony Loke hadn't made his remarks about Muda. It smacks of pettiness coming from a political senior. Particularly from a party that has actually um, had a track record and builds its reputation on being uh, critical of these exact issues, right? I So I view this in a very particular way, right? Um, it, it almost kind of flew over my head partly because the rhetoric between the government and Muda has been escalating to such a point that um, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have paid such close attention to the remarks. Mm. But I, I get what you mean. And I think in terms of civility, um, it's something that I, I understand why people ask for it. Actually, speaking of other politicians, we also have Ravin saying, um, Zaid is just one politician. We need to focus on the reforms that PM Anwar can and should be doing. And Muda needs to focus on getting more youth and Malay votes, which makes the party more meaningful. I actually think that that's probably the perfect note of advice to end on because that that's practical and actionable and good all round. It's true that in general, we should be moving on. I'm speaking very generally. In general, we should be moving on from the old politicians who've kept a stranglehold on our politics and kept it a certain way. It is also absolutely true that in order for Muda to be relevant, there are things that need to happen. So I guess that's the path moving forward. Thank you everybody very much for listening and getting in touch. This is Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.